Hello and welcome to our podcast. Thanks for tuning in to our global broadcast across Hope City Church. We pray that this message inspires, encourages, and builds your faith as you listen. Enjoy the message. I've got a strange fascination with uh, staircases. Sometimes I, I, I come into my house, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, two-level house. Two-level? There's a split level? Whatever. But I just stare at the stairs thinking, how would I get to the second level or the second floor without the stairs? And it's most unusual I should think that. But, you know, if they weren't there, I'd have to, I couldn't use, you know, a ladder's just stairs a little steeper. I'd have to use a rope or something like that. There'd be no way I'd get to a, another level. And I think sometimes in life, there's a lot of people telling us to get to the next level, you know, the next big thing and, and, uh, and telling us grand statements, you know, just declaring it. And sometimes I think, well, how on earth am I going to get there? How, am, how on earth am I going to get to the second level, the next level? And the truth is that the only way you'll get there is by steps. And the thing about God is that God loves new levels and God loves new heights and God loves new adventures and He loves the next season. But the way you get there is through steps. He's the great step maker. He's a brilliant step maker. He's like a carpenter. And even right now, He's making the next step for you to walk on in order to eventually, after 23 steps or after three steps, eventually get to a new level and you'll get to that new place of of the grace of God, the new place of blessing that you've been longing for, but it'll be through steps. And God is madly, truly, deeply in love with steps. And this is what Psalm 37 verse 23 and 24 says. It says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in Him. And though he stumble, he'll not fall, for the Lord upholds him with His hand. It's not the river dance of someone who delights in Him. And it's not the hop, skip and the jump. It's not the high jump, not the long jump. It's the steps. And there's a promise for those of us that love steps in that even if we stumble, He'll uphold us with His righteous right hand. Another version says, the steps of a good man are ordered by God. And so right in front of you, you, you're thinking, gosh, what am I going to do? There's, there's, there's a huge chasm. There's, I'm going to have to jump off a cliff edge with a giant leap of faith. And yet there's never been a leap of faith. In the entire history of the Bible, nobody's ever experienced a leap of faith. No one's ever done it. You, you think they've done it, but it's, 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 it might have been a movie, leap of faith, but it's certainly not a reality. There's no such thing as a leap of faith. The only thing that anyone has ever done in the whole of human history in their relationship with God is a step of faith. And I say it because of the dauntingness of the culture we're in right now. I say it because uh, sometimes we get enamored by the size of our prayers and by the by the by by you know heroic language and by the clerics coming along saying, "Hey, let's just get to the next level." And and some of us thinking, "Well, how on earth are we going to do it? How are we going to get there? It seems impossible. I can't find a rope. I, I can't just space hop my way to the next level." But God is a step maker, and right now it's making the next step for you. Uh, when, when my wife and I came from Australia to England, it was, oh, it's, it's coming on 29 years ago. Uh, it's a long time ago now, but, but someone prayed over us just before we, we left. 
And this is the prayer that they prayed. And they stole it from 1969 from Neil Armstrong. And they said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And it, it kind of meant something a lot to me because I get daunted easily. I panic easily. And, and you know, someone said, how do you eat an elephant? And, and someone else said, well, one bite at a time. And, and I think that's, that's a real word for me. And I think it's a word for you. I think sometimes you move into panic because you just see the size of the mountain. And yet what God's doing is he's creating steps over the mountain because he's a step maker. And for my wife and I here in England, it's, been, it's just been one step at a time. And, you know, just to tell you about Hope City Church, that one church in 12 locations, but it, it didn't start with 12 locations. It just started with us faithfully building a location here in Sheffield, in, in, in the heartlands of the north of England. And we started a location in Manchester and and that has now become, I think, one of the largest or if not the largest church called Audacious Church in, in the north uh, west of England. And then we started in Liverpool and then we started in Leeds, I think, and then we started in Newcastle and then, and then we started in Frankfurt in Germany and then we started in London and we started in KL and, we, and then we uh, I've probably missed some out. We've started in York and in Sunderland and started in Darmstadt, which is near Frankfurt. And, and it's just been the unfolding. But, but you, can't, you can't be daunted by somebody else's pathway because, because no one arrives at a destination. Sometimes we think some people have the Midas touch, but that's just a lie. Every person has walked a staircase up to new levels of success or new levels of authority, but nobody's just arrived there. And as it is for them, it is for you. God's a step maker. What's he doing right now? He's making the next step for you. It's not a leap. It's not beyond your comprehension. It's not something that's beyond you. I often say that steps belong to man, but success belongs to God. And I think sometimes we, we try and swap that around and and think that success belongs to God to us, but success belongs to God. Steps belong to us. We we step out, and I I, I don't know if I've got it here, but it it says in Joshua chapter one, it, it says that every place where you place your foot, I'll give to you. That's a promise from God to Joshua. Every place where you place your foot, I'll give to you. Every time you take another step up then God places your feet firmly on that step. And if you do stumble, there's a promise that you're not going to fall over because this is arranged well by God. This is the pathway of God uh, for your life. I was thinking about some of the heroes of old and I thought about uh, Joseph, that how many steps he had to make. And I'm going to say four steps. And uh, his his, uh, first step was a step of integrity that he found himself uh, in, in a slave market and then sold as a slave in Egypt, uh, rejected by his brothers. And he found himself in the household of Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife was an enticing woman. And, uh, and she tried to seduce him on many occasions, but it was a step of integrity and he fulfilled that. And then he was placed in, in a dungeon and this was the step um, of responsibility. And he, he did his responsibilities well. He, he, he became you know, just under the jail keeper. He became the guy in charge of everyone else in the jail. 
And then the butler and the baker were cast into the jail because Pharaoh really didn't like them very much. And, and so this was step three for Joseph, that he was, this was a step of faithfulness. And then he interpreted their dreams while his own dream lay unfulfilled. He had a dream, the sun and the moon, the 11 stars would bow down and it wasn't happening for him. His life was in reverse, but he became an interpreter of other people's dreams and incredible step. And then, then the, the fourth step was the step of patience. He was forgotten about for two years. You know, the, the butler and the baker were, were, were meant to tell Pharaoh or tell people about this incredible prophet who was, who was in the prison, but everyone forgot about him for two years. But I've got to say, there was no fifth step, that he was released from prison and uh, he was believed, his prophecy was believed, Pharaoh made him second highest in the land and through that he became a deliverer of his people and a deliverer of the Israelites and he became an absolute national treasure because there was no fifth step. It was four steps and then that led to success. It led to a new level of anointing, a new level of success within his life. I could do it for everybody in the Bible. I'd just not to bore you. I'll just do it with David, that uh, his first step was the step of faithfulness. You know, his dad said, I want you to look after this, this pack of sheep on this dusty hill. So he did it faithfully when he was young. And the second step was a step of, resp- step of responsibility. You know, his dad said, I want you to take these cheeses and take these supplies down to your brothers who are on the, on the front line. And uh, Goliath was down there. Uh, the third step was a step of courage. He raced, he charged toward Goliath and said, who are you coming against the armies of the living God? And he slung his stone and, and, uh, and Goliath fell down, you know. And then, then it was just a step of, of patience and a step of grace. For 13 years, he went on the run against the death threats of Saul, but he refused to kill Saul at the opportunity that he had. It was, again, a step of patience. But there was no step after that. It was four steps. And then he was king over Hebron and then he was king over all of Israel. And I think he was 40 years king over all because there was no fifth step. That steps belong to man, success belongs to God. And I think it's the same for your life right now that that. Forget about trying to be successful. Forget about trying to do the works of God and just do the works of man. Just the next step, whether it's a step of faithfulness or a step of faith or a step of courage or a step of responsibility, it'll lead to the next step. But I'm just trying to, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? I'm trying to get you to achieve great things in God and to stop the panic, you know, to stop the feeling of being overwhelmed. I've just got four steps of being a step maker. This won't take long, but number one, don't let the size, don't let size rob you of steps. And sometimes we can be absolutely consumed by the size of the mountain. And I think you need to stop staring at the mountain, stop staring at other people's success. There was a, a, a tour bus that, that went through a great American town ta- or a small American town and these Japanese tourists came off and, and saw a man in a park just on a park bench and said, were any great men born in this place? And, and this man had heard, heard that question many, many times because he almost lived in the park. And in answer to the question, were any great men born in this place? He said, nope, only babies. 
Nobody starts off as a great man or a great woman. Everybody starts off as a baby. And the Bible's emphatic. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. And, and you know, even Confucius said that the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. You've got to be a believer in steps and you've got to stop being intimidated by, by people that, that have had a head start or people who have, have, are ahead of you and people that are richer than you, people that are more popular than you, people who, who have a better marriage than you. Just, just pull back and stop being, stop seeing size over steps and come back. And, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 119, I think that, that, his, his, that He's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. He's not just a light to your path. He's a lamp to your feet. Why would He be a lamp to your feet? Because that's a lamp on the next step. It's like at nighttime when you get your phone out, that it just casts enough light to get to the next step because it's onwards and upwards, but this is the way God works. You know, secondly, I want to say, don't ever think that you need more faith. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I haven't got enough faith, so I'm not going to step out. You've got faith. You've got faith. And so every, every bit of faith requires a step. When you move from, from faith to proof of faith, God moves from the fourth dimension of His presence to the third dimension of His provision. God, God starts to manifest Himself. But, but someone says, well, I haven't got enough faith. Can I say, how much faith do you actually need? You're not trying to change all of planet Earth and Mars and Pluto here. You only need a small amount of faith. And there's no such thing as large faith. Faith is seen as a seed. You can't have a large seed. It makes no difference. Just, it's like having a large key to open a door. You don't need a, you don't need a large key, just a key. A small key will do because it's, it's not the size of the key that matters. It's, it's the impact of the key as it's inserted in the door. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 20. If you've got, if you've got faith as small as a mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll be moved. Nothing will be impossible for you. You don't need more faith. You don't need more faith. You don't need more faith. You only need a little bit of faith. And so stop stopping. Stop thinking, oh, wait till I get real faith. You know, faith's not a feeling. Faith is a seed and that seed's within your heart and that seed needs a step. It just needs you to take it to the next step and you don't need more faith. What you, I tell you what you need is less doubt, not more faith. You just need less doubt. That's what you need. Uh, there used to be a television show in this country called uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I think it's just out at Christmas time now, but it used to be uh, run by a compere called Chris Tarrant. And, uh, and when the person said the answer is Mexico, he used to just say, are you sure? And the person would, would just double doubt, just doubt themselves a little bit. Then they say, no, the answer is Mexico, Chris. And he'd say, confident? And there's four answers there. There's, there's Mexico, Venezuela, Cuba, and Iceland. And I don't know, for about half an hour, they're then in the shadow of doubt. And finally, maybe after 17 minutes, and the, the show's edited down, they say, no, no, the answer is Mexico. And he, he says, the answer turns green. He says, no, you had 32,000 pounds. And I'm sorry to say, you've just won 64,000 pounds and the studio audience erupts. But you know, they were born in Mexico. Their grandparents are Mexican. They had tortillas for breakfast from one year of age. Everything about them, they wore a sombrero when they were born. Everything about them is Mexico, Mexican, but they knew it. They knew it. It's just like they come, came under the shadow of the mountain of doubt. And this is what Jesus said about doubt in Mark 11, 22 to 24. Have faith in God. 
If any of you says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it'll be done for him. Have faith in God. Have a mustard seed. Just have, and it's the smallest of all garden seeds. Just have a little bit of the stuff. Just a little bit. Just a tiny, tiny bit. You know, faith's like uranium. You don't need, you don't need a mountain load of uranium to, to create an atomic bomb. Just, just a little, 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 just an atom. Just an atom will do. Just one seed of faith will do. And if you could believe and, and eliminate doubt, create a culture of faith, mix with the right people, meditate, marinate on the Word of God, if you could stop self-doubting, if you could stop double-doubting, if, if you could stop over-analyzing, stop doing post-mortems of what you said today and, and just live in the faith zone, the simple faith zone, then and add some steps to it, then you're going to be mightily, see God take you to new levels you'd never experienced before. Number three, stop expecting to feel the power. Oh my God, it's a step. You know, faith's not a power. Faith's a key. Faith's like, you know, Jesus said that, that I want you to have faith like a child. Faith's like a six-year-old. It's, it, it doesn't wear long trousers. Faith doesn't go to the gym because, because faith is self-evasing. It, it's not about faith. Faith is the key. It's about what's, what's through the door. Faith opens the door to the power of God. It's not the power of faith. It's the power of God. And while I'm saying that, it's not the power of prayer. Prayer is just words that are loosely strung together that at times are incoherent, at times make no sense at all, but God knows exactly what you mean. He reinterprets it through His Holy Spirit and then He adds power to it. It's not the power of prayer. Prayer opens the door. Prayer piggybacks on faith and opens the door with faith. Prayer is a step of faith that opens the door to the power of God. So stop trying to feel powerful. You know, I, I, I re- react to, you know, to TV evangelists. I react to TV preachers, even though I'm on the TV right now. I react to people who wear black suits because they kind of big up the fact that they're a man of faith and power for the hour. But they're not. They're just a somebody that just holds some mustard seeds. They're somebody that just steps out in, in simple faith and that opens the door to the power of God. And lastly, between faith and between the step of faith, there is a test. But it's not so big that you can't conquer it. It's not so big that you can't get full marks in this test. But I'll just take you to, and it's my last scripture, First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. It says, in all this you greatly rejoice. That's in trials and tribulations, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Well, we're kind of getting a taste of that, a spray of that right now. And some of you, it's, it is exactly that, just suffer grief in all kinds of trials. People have lost their jobs. People have been made redundant. People are running out of resources. People are wondering what to do. This is, this is a trial. This is things that weren't certain have become uncertain. And it's, it's weighing on us emotionally. If somebody said, Dave, how do you feel? I'd say exhausted, you know, because I like all my ducks in a row and ducks are flying off everywhere in my life. So I'm exhausted. It's, 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 it's a trial. And other people might, be tri- not be, not, might not be tried by my trial, but it's, it's a trial. But it says that these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, 
of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. All God's trying to do is prove that your faith's genuine. You, that you're not just hyping this up. You know, hype will, hype will just make, give, give you a buzz for a couple of days, but he just wants to strip you down just, just from all the excess of relying upon previous experience or relying upon just buzz or relying upon good luck. He just wants to strip you down so you just rely upon faith. And he wants to, you know, the faith is of greater worth than gold and gold is tried and tested in the fire. All the dross rises to the surfaces and removed. And I think between, between faith and the step of faith, there's, there's a testing. And I think it's just that the dross would rise up and he could scrape the dross off and what you're left with is just pure faith. And pure faith is, is the most incredible ingredient. You know, faith is the currency of heaven. It doesn't deal with good works. Good works are the steps that accompany faith. They're the steps that take it to the bank of grace. But when faith comes into the teller in the bank of grace, which is the Holy Spirit, he doesn't say, how good were you? He doesn't say, how much did you pray or how far did you come? He just receives the the check of faith and exchanges it with the treasures of heaven. And it's everything. Your faith is everything. And all God's trying to do is prove that it's genuine. So I know when, Mo, when Abraham got a word that all the nations would be blessed through you, that when he arrived in the land of Canaan through obeying God, it was in famine. And this was a test to say, what are you going to do, Abraham? Are you going to run away because you thought things would get better? Things have actually got a little bit worse. And if things in your life are getting a little bit worse, don't, don't panic. Don't think, oh no, this whole thing hasn't worked. No, no, this is just a proving that, that this whole thing will work because you've remained steadfast. Don't, don't run away. Don't, don't backslide. Don't shrink back. Don't be tempted uh, into the pleasures of the flesh. Just stand your ground. And as you stand your ground, God will say, you've passed the test. You step out in faith through prayer and through believing and through acts of faith. And then God will do miraculous things. He'll lift you up to the next level of authority, the next level of blessing. He'll do mighty things, absolute mighty things within your life. I'll just finish with, with the scripture from Romans. I said the last scripture was the last one, but this is, this is the last one. Romans 4.21 says that Abraham was fully persuaded that what God has promised, he was able to perform. He's fully persuaded. And I want you to come back to full persuasion. Just, just kick doubt back to hell. That people call this three, P, three P's in a pod to faith and victory. That he's fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. He's fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. He was fully persuaded. Father, let every person who's watching on right now be fully persuaded. What in? That God has the power, that you're not lacking in power, you're not lacking in ability to bring success and to do what He promised. Lord, our life is based upon the promises of God that are a higher reality than that which we, than the five senses that, that we feel, see and smell and taste and hear. We thank You for Your promises that are yes and amen. In uh, there's a legend uh, about 
Charles Spurgeon, he's the Prince of Preachers from 150 years ago. He ran, the, I think, the largest church in London called the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And, uh, and uh, he had a cleaner who cleaned the church who was... It's, it's a legend story, so I don't know how true it is, but I'm going to say it uh, with conviction that, that she was incredibly ill, so he went to visit her and, and he went up to her bedroom and to pray for her and the curtains were moth-eaten and uh, there was hardly any bedding and, and she was sick, she was infirmed and she didn't have long to live and he went to pray for her and when he was looking around the room, he saw framed something that he recognised on the wall. He said, where'd you get this from? And, and she said, well, I used to work for this, this woman um, who was very rich and I used to clean her house and and she gave me this as a memorandum. Before she died, she gave me this as a memorandum for me working for her. My eyesight's been failing for quite some time. And, and uh, so I was dismissed from cleaning the house because she passed away. And so I, I framed it. And Spurgeon said, do you know what it is? And she said, I, I don't. It's just whenever I see it, she says, it has a huge sentimental value. He said, it's a check. She said, Really? He said, yes, a check. And he, he read the figures on it. And, I, and it's a check that made her one of the richest ladies in London, but she'd framed the check. She hadn't done anything with the check. Just framed it. Just as if the check was frozen in history. And yet it could have healed her of every disease. It could have allowed her to live in a mansion, but she just framed it. I think some of you have got a check of faith and you're waiting for a bigger check, one of those big charity checks. You're waiting for more faith. You... I think there's a time to cash that check with the treasures of heaven. I think this is that time. And my prayer is that you'd, you'd take that little bit of faith you've got, you'd add some prayer to it, you'd add some works of faith to it, you'd, you'd step out in faith and it's just steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by God and you take that check to the bank of grace. It, the bank's just waiting for a check of faith. You're waiting for a bigger check. It's just waiting for a check because it knows the powers of God, the blessings of God, the goodnesses of God. And He wants to open up the treasuries of heaven in order to lead you to the next level of goodness that God has you for you for your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you'd downsize people's lives right now to just a step. I pray for those that are overwhelmed by the mountain, overwhelmed by the elephant, overwhelmed by the size of the prospects of, of, of the challenge in front of them. And I pray, Lord, that they'd forget about that and just see the step. You're a step maker, God, and they'd see the next step that you've got for their lives. I pray, give them patience. And Father, I thank You for giving them faith. And Lord, we take the check out of the frame we take it to the bank of grace. We thank you as we move from faith to proof of faith that you move from your presence to your provision. And I pray do mighty miracles, God. Do mighty signs and mighty wonders. And bless every person who's listening to this, whether it's on podcast or online. Bless every person listening to this right now. Bless their lives and take them into a whole new dimension. But we thank you, Lord, that you're the great step maker. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. 
If you have, we'd love for you to subscribe to our channel right on our homepage so you can hear all the latest messages from Hope City Church. Why not head to our website at hopecity.church to keep up to date with all that's happening across Hope City. Thank you.